1: you are listening to the preacher boys podcast a podcast shedding light on decades of mental physical and sexual abuse within the independent fundamental baptist movement the testimonies shared on this podcast are told from the personal experience and perspective of the survivors All right, Andrea. thanks so much for joining me on the show. We're
0: finally here. So yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to get to talk with you a little bit. I know this has been a long time coming, uh, but but really just excited to get to hear your story a little bit, talk about some of the things you're actually working on right now. But, but first, let's just go back to the very beginning to early childhood. How did you first become involved with the Independent Baptist Movement?
2: So my parents went to the college there at the Bible College of Church I grew up in. And, you know, they got married, started having kids, and we just started going to the schools, being involved in all the activities. And my mom had always talked about how she wanted to move away. She wanted to move to a a state that was more scenic and, you know, had better weather. But we were just so involved in all the activities that it was just really hard to get away. There was like stuff in the school year. There was stuff in the summer. There was stuff, you know, every season there was something going on where it was like you couldn't really catch a break to stop and move away you know, Mm. it just kept you really busy. And I had a very good childhood. I did not have any, anything that really uh, happened to me or crushed me or anything like that. What I didn't realize was that my beliefs were being established. And so things like, I'm not important. I'm not enough. I'm not good enough. All of those things were established at a very young age. And that is how I carried into adulthood and into my relationships, into parenting into my career. Everything that I do was filtered through these lens of these beliefs that I had that were created from that childhood.
0: Obviously you don't sit in a room and they say, Hey, you're not important. So <laughs> right. h- how did you, how did you come out with that kind of understanding? And cause I've talked to obviously tons of people that have come away with that same message mm-hmm. and it's not always, I mean, sometimes it is explicitly said, but it's not always just said like, Hey, you're worthless or, Hey, you don't matter. You don't count. Uh, what, what way did that come across to you in the messaging from the, from the church and school?
2: That's a really good question. So I think a lot of it was the control and the harshness that I had absolutely no idea was actually going on. So it would be like when I would see someone else get in trouble for talking back to a teacher or for just asking a question or for, I I just, there's several examples I could give up a time. There was an activity that we did that was a little bit questionable Um, I'll just go ahead and give it, we had gone to a a water theme park where I had been, you know, we were taught to not mix swim, right, and so we went to one of our activities as a a teenager, and I think I was in like sixth or seventh grade, something in that, and we went to a water park where we were dressed in t-shirt and culottes, the guys had to wear sweatpants and a t-shirt, but we had rented the, the water park and we're going down the slides, and as soon as we hit the pool, we had to get out. And I had mentioned to one of my other friends, I was like, this feels like mixed swimming. I'm, I'm like, I was just really confused. Cause I'm like, okay, I guess we can mix swim as long as we're closed. I don't know. And, um, you know, properly according to the rules or whatever. And this person had gone and told on me. And so I was brought into the office and was how, how dare you question authority? And I was like, okay, all right. <laughs> and so it's things like that. I mean, and that's one of probably hundreds of examples where it was just very subtly, my brain automatically said, don't ever do that again. You are not allowed to question authority. Authority is
0: King. That's something that's not really harmful until it is, you know, exactly. Yes. You know, And and that's where, I mean, that's where it kind of comes up a lot is like, there's things I look at and and my wife and I've talked about this before, there were things that were harmless in the time where it's like, if this was a different person in this same system. It could have easily been manipulated to get yes. whatever, whatever they want. Uh, y- y- you mentioned something I I also wanted to touch on, and this is exactly, uh, this is exactly what we are talking about beforehand. There's things that come up that you don't expect, but one of the things that I think is really valuable to talk about is you mentioned you saw how others were talked to and how others got in trouble, and that taught you a lot and taught you how to act and how to behave. And uh, I, I was at dinner last night with somebody, and we were talking about growing up within the this world. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we're talking about, it's difficult when you're changing anything about your worldview to talk to somebody who you knew you grew up with or or that kind of Mm -hmm. thing, because you know, the conversations that you've seen happen behind other people's backs once they leave. And so, (laughs) you know, for me as a staff kid, like I saw the conversations, I had those conversations with staff saying like, oh, he left, he did this now he's, you know, watch out for him. And so like, no matter how friendly the faces of the person you're sitting, having coffee with, like, you know, that that conversation is being had somewhere behind the scenes and it teaches Absolutely. you so much about how to act. It's, it's really, it's really, it affects you in a big way. You don't realize it till you're outside of it. And then you yeah, realize, you don't like, realize
2: it until there's things that you want to accomplish or you start questioning and and then you realize like, Hey, something doesn't feel right. Like something just doesn't feel right. But you don't, you almost don't even know how to question. And what I've realized is that they take away your ability to critically think because everything is handed to you. All your beliefs are handed to you. This is what you're going to believe. This is how you're going to believe it. This is how long you're going to believe it. And if you don't, you're wrong period story. And God will judge you. God will bring the hammer down. So if I were you, I would just believe this because it's safe. And so take away that ability to be able to, especially as kids, You're not able to process things for yourself. A lot of us, and uh, uh, this is going to go a different direction too, but even with parenting, like a lot of us are very good kids. We were good kids. Mm -hmm. Yes, we're sneaky. We learned how to be very manipulative and very sneaky. A lot of us, uh, depending on our personality, but we were very good kids. It's not because we wanted to be good kids. It is because we had to be good kids. Yeah. And I've, I've heard a lot, your view of, of your father is the same view that you have of God, especially for women. Hmm. And if you're scared to death of your dad or your pastor or your authority, that creates a space where you're now scared to death of God. And so there, there's, there's a, a tug of war going on inside of you because there's things that you would like to address. There's things you would like to talk about or a question or you know just settle but there's you can't question it because no. you feel like if you're questioning it you're questioning god and how dare you question god right. it's in the bible i've shown it to you a million times
0: no. <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah and it it backfires you know that yes. the parenting thing's true like in you know this is this is something that i noticed early on because i was always a question asker like that that was my yeah. personality my brother was very much the Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. No, sir. No, ma'am. And you know, no questions asked. And um, he's changed a lot in that regard. But we're still very different. Like I was always, and my dad said that was the best and worst thing about being my dad was that I never was just like I would never just take his word for it. Like I always needed mm-hmm. to know why or what's the reason. And I was lucky enough that he took the time to walk me through. Like here's why we do things. Even though now there's things I disagree with the why of of certain things, but there was always this like reason regardless of whether it was a good reason or not, you know, that's that you come into that on your own. But I was glad he took the time to do that because I've seen a lot of people who know how to act or they know how to fall in line, but they have no idea why. And that's why they implode when they leave. And this could be any movement. This could be within a good positive movement or a a negative one. If you don't know why you're doing what you do, it's not going to stick which is yes. probably a good thing in this case, but also like you're going to do a lot of things that could be dangerous to you. Cause you're not asking the right questions. <laughs> like yes. You're just going for it and, and going full stop.
2: Yeah. And like you said, it's not just about religion. It is, it could be political. It could be uh, cultural, it could be religious. Like it's, if you don't know why you're doing what you're doing, those, that is where the beliefs are created. And yeah. often, I don't know if you've heard this, I'm sure you have in this community, Where they say things like "get them when they're young," because Mm -hmm. you can get them to believe this by the time they're five years old. You know, your beliefs stick with you, and they're accurate. They're accurate in the fact that ninety-nine percent of our beliefs are established by the time we're five years old. But you, an outside force, does not get to control those beliefs, and that is what they don't understand: is that when you force me to, you know, obey you, because otherwise you're going to bring the hammer down. The belief that I create for myself and that I establish and live it all the way out into my adult life for the rest of my life, unless I'm aware of this is what is going on. But the belief that I create is men are scary. That's actually belief the belief that is going on in my brain. It's not oh I better obey so I can make my dad happy. It's that grown men are scary.
0: Yeah.
2: I, I carried that into my relationship. My husband was a grown man who was scary. Hmm. You know, and and those again that's one example of of many that are actually created by the time you're five years old. And so that is why, and they say, they always go back to the Bible verse, create up a child or train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he'll not depart from it. And that is not talking about spanking, in my opinion, of course, (laughs) this is my perspective. It is talking about if you train your child to be scared of men by the time they're five years old, they will carry that forever. That will never go away unless they uh, renew their mind. And the only way that you renew your mind is by being aware of that is a subconscious belief that is going on in the background. Then you can change it, you know? Yeah. So, so yeah, that, those are the, actually the beliefs. Another one is reading the Bible, right? We're, we're constantly told to read the Bible. And the belief that I actually established was Bible's boring. Bible's just boring. That was the belief that I had from the time I was five years old. Like I would fall asleep in church and I'd be like, when is this going to be over? It felt like days, you know, I'm like sitting yeah. there, church, like a foreign language is being spoken to me. And it wasn't. The belief they, in my parents, they, they tried to do, like, they wanted this to be a belief that church is good, but that's not the belief that came out of it because it was a, a controlled, it was a, con, a control situation. Yeah. Does that make sense? And so yeah. the, that I ended up walking away with was the Bible's boring. Church is boring. When is this going to be over? Yeah. And that came through. So when I'm a teenager, that's the belief I was living through. Church is boring. And yeah. then I had to pretend like it wasn't boring. <laughs>
0: right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's been a conversation that we've had a a lot. Like I have a almost four year old. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's an interesting conversation because, you know, my, my default, when I found out we were pregnant was like, you know, I I was thinking through all those things, you know, like, Oh, we got to do this. We got to do this. We got to think about this. And I've almost, you know, I hope people understand what I'm saying when I say this. Um, Cause I'm sure I'll get some people that get upset by this, but like, I haven't been hyper, you know, I haven't been very heavy handed with like pushing my belief systems on her, you know, like I have been, and that sounds very new age parenting of me, but like, you know, obviously we have rules and things and safeguards and all that kind of stuff. But as far as like religious beliefs, you know, we talk about God and we talk about Jesus and we talk about those things. Cause it's going to come up. Like if we talk about it, it's going to happen. And so like, she knows that's important to us, but that's kind of what I want it to be is like, I want her to see like, Hey, this is important to us, but I don't want to get her. I don't want to do exactly what you just said, which is I don't don't want to get her used to a rhythm or a routine of this, like, because one, it doesn't benefit anybody. Like it might benefit my ego to say like, Oh, look, my kid's going to Sunday school or or this kind of thing, but it doesn't benefit her because if she's just going through the motions and doesn't really believe it, that's no value to her. Um, And I don't want to go in so early to the point where she's sitting there going like, oh, it's just secondhand to me. Like, I, I just know this, like for, for me, that that's one of the hardest things is I kind of reconcile with things now is I don't know what I believe because I believe it and what I believe because I was programmed for as long as I've been told the sky is blue and trees are green and one plus yeah. one is two, that this is how it is. You know, like yeah. that's, I, I just don't want to program. I guess that, if that makes sense, I want yeah, to expose and teach yes. and show, but I don't want to say, Hey, this is exactly what you need to do right now. Like this is your mission and your job and your role right now. Cause it's not for her yet. Yeah. Like she doesn't understand the concepts at all. Like she doesn't understand death or life yet. So it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a tricky, it's a tricky minefield for sure. And uh, it's one of the unexpected delightful pressures of parenting.
2: (laughs) Yeah. And see, I love the way that you said that, because if you, if you call that a delightful, Pressure, that is how you're going to experience that. Yeah. Where if, and this is, this is one thing that I, cause I get that a lot too is like, this is what I don't want. I will ask moms, what do you, what do you actually want? And they're like, well, I don't want my daughter to be doing this and I don't want my son to be here and I don't want it. And I'm like, and I listen, I let them finish and I'm like, I want you to notice what you said. Everything that you said was, I don't want, I don't mm-hmm. want her to end up, you know, to grow up and marry somebody that, that like I married and I don't want, it. I'm like, okay, that's great. We know what we don't yeah. want. But when you focus on what you don't want, you create more of what you don't want. So let's focus on what you actually want. What do you want? They could be physical. They could be emotions. They could be anything. Like, do you want a boat? Do you want to just feel happy?
1: <laughs> do you yeah. want
2: a business? Like, regardless of if you can. And, and this is the other thing that I have uh, that I deal a lot with in the people that I work with is they're like, but you don't understand. Yeah. My situation is different. Their situation, everybody's, everybody's situation is always, that'd be nice if, but mm-hmm. my the way my husband's in the way uh my my brother's in the way my dad is in the way you know my aunt is in the way you just don't understand i can't have what i want and to that i would encourage you encourage anyone who is feeling that way like they just can't like i want to start a podcast but what are people going to think of me because when we grow up in this environment we are petrified of what people think of us
0: so i definitely want to talk about what you do currently i think we'll dive into that in a second i am curious to know really quick um, what led to you actually stepping out? Cause you, cause you had an experience similar to mine where you said, you know, it wasn't overtly negative. Like there were things that were harmful, but right. you know, it wasn't downright abusive. Like I can't say like, I'd be lying if I got on my podcast and said, you know, I was abused for 18 years and right. you know, like uh, there were harmful things that I was involved with that now I see had negative effects, but you know, I, I am pretty soft on my background. Like it is what it is. Like I have a lot of good positive things. So you have a similar story. What is it that made you say like, okay, I'm going to close the door on this chapter of life and step outside of this. Like, was it just a slow kind of slipping away? Or was it something where it was like this happened? And I was like, "Uh, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to step out of here.
2: No, that's a really interesting question. So uh, it, it was kind of a slow slipping away but it was also not at the same time. So as, as it was a slow slipping away, I got much more uh, adamant in, in the church and I would lash out at people who left. I would criticize and judge people who, you know, they would leave and say things like, Oh, I've I've never been more happy in my entire life. And I'm like, you just wait. The devil's you're lying, <laughs> lying, you know, you're miserable. And I was extremely jealous of those people who who were able to leave. That was about a 10 year period. So I was was still in church. I was still, you know, showing up Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Thursday, like all the stuff. Right. And involved as many programs as I could. I wanted to be the face and the name and like recognize me, please. Yeah. Because I wanted to have some sort of importance. And I feel like I think deep down, I really wanted to just make sure that there was something to this. So anyway, what happened was when I was still at the, the church that I grew up in. Uh, I think they saw that I was kind of slipping away and I had potential to be a pastor's wife, youth pastor's wife. And that is what I was constantly told. You know, when, when I first started dating my husband, I was told uh, somebody asked me, where did he graduate? And I said, Pensacola. And he's, he responded, I would not touch him with a 10 foot pole. I'm like, you don't even know the guy you've never even met him, you know? And because he was, he graduated as an engineer. It was like, no, you're supposed to be a pastor's wife. Leave him like, what are you doing? Come on, woman. What, like, come, we, no. we've wasted so much time and effort into you for you to just turn your back on us. And I was like, oh, okay, I can't. So it was that control that I didn't really realize was going on and I didn't want to let them down. Well, what happened was there was a situation where I w- had been uh, accused of reading psychology books. And so How I, dare I don't care you, <laughs> but someone called me up and was like, hey, So-and-so told me that you're reading psychology books. Now, mind you, I had no idea what psychology was, had never heard of psychology a day in my life. Well, I I take that back. I probably had heard it um, at some point in time, but didn't know that I heard it. And so I went to the public library and I looked up psychology. I typed in Google and I put in S-I-C-O. I I was like trying to sound it out. And I saw, did you mean psychology? And I'm like, yeah, I guess that's what I meant. And so I started reading psychology and I saw that it was a study of the mind and it absolutely fascinated me. I probably sat there for two hours reading article after article after article about psychology. And so that is when I actually started getting into psychology. Well, fast forward a little bit. I started an e-commerce shop and I had to learn behavioral psychology. I mean, I'm sorry, consumer psychology to understand buying habits and patterns and That led to behavioral psychology, and that's where I'm at right now, is I have been just fascinated. I found that is where my talent and where my expertise is, is understanding behavioral psychology and understanding behavioral patterns, belief systems, and helping people to identify them and work through them and move away from that, rather than just living in the same perpetual loop over and over and over and over over again.
0: Yeah. That, that's, that's really awesome. And it's funny that that kind of uh, had the reverse effect. <laughs> yes. um, Much so, the
2: reverse effect. Yeah.
0: Yeah. The, the one thing that was really funny was how we ended up getting connected. Um, and I didn't know this till today, right before okay. the call. And you were saying, um, you were talking about the first time you listened to the podcast, Yes. you were listening to it to critique it. <laughs> so. Yes. yes um, to criticize
2: and judge and how so, dare he.
0: So how did you, how did you hear about the show initially? And what was kind of the, what, what was that initial thought process kind of going into it?
2: So I, I believe I heard about it from a family member. I I don't remember if it was like an extended family member or a a sibling, but it was, it was some sort of a family member who had said, Hey, you know, so-and-so we grew up with them. They're on this podcast. And I was like, okay, so I go look at the podcast and I'm listening to it. And I'm like, oh, what a bunch of baloney, what a bunch of babies, like, come on, grow up, stop complaining, stop whining. Like everybody has circumstances. We all, no matter where you grew up, you have things that have been difficult and blah, 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 like just deal with it. And the reason I was so harsh is because what I've realized also in my study is that a lot of times what we reflect on, uh, what we uh, deflect to other people is actually a reflection of yourself. Hmm. So in my... Criticism and judgment, and like, come on, grow up. That is actually what I was feeling. Where I knew something wasn't right, and I wanted to get out, but I didn't think there was a way. Which is why the title of the book is Uncaged. I really felt like I was caged, and that there were people sitting on top of my cage, holding my lock, and was like making sure that there was no way I was getting out. I became fascinated with all the different podcasts, and and I uh, was, what's the word? Like, kind of consumed with. Mm has got to stop, and you're you're ruining the name of Christ. You're doing all this. Well, in the meantime, I was studying psychology, yeah. and I started to make the connection of like, wait a second, this is mind control. Like, mm. and I experienced what I was learning, and also what I was hearing, and I realized at that point in time, somewhere in there, that I think I might be being controlled. Mm didn't want to believe it because it shook my whole world. I was like, I can't, I can't tell my husband. He, for the longest time had absolutely no idea that I was studying psychology. He had no idea. And so I was hiding things from him. I was hiding things from the church. I was hiding things. Like I just lived two different lives. I was hiding. I was not the person that I was showing up to be. And then I started hating it. I got very resentful. I was like this Prickle ball that if you said the wrong thing or did the wrong thing or wore the wrong clothing or whatever you did around me, I would just blow up. Mm. And I start trying to contain that behind closed doors. And there were times where it would blow up out in public. And I'm like, oh, you can't do that. You got, and I just started to hate the person that I was becoming. And I was like, I'm, there's got something's got to go. Like, I, yeah. either my husband has to go or I have to go or like, I, something has to happen. This cannot go on like this any further.
0: Right. Yeah. No, it's it's a it's a really tricky spot to be in, and, and we talked about this before we started recording. Like you mentioned, the word "control." Like the, the 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 one area where people get most flustered is whenever I use the word "cult" to describe, you know, the IFB, and I and I understand it because it is it, it's just a loaded word. Like it's it's yeah. just a it has a lot of connotation. You don't you're not going to get anywhere in a conversation with somebody when you open with "Hey, you're in a cult." Yes. but I think <laughs> you know it, it, it's it's when you say the word control. I think, I think the term, and it may have, I I think it's Stephen Hassan who uses this term the most, Uh, maybe it was from Sarah Edmondson and them. I know they've used this term as well, but I love the word or the term high control group, like areas where you're limited in what you can ask, you're limited in what you can think outside of the box. Like it's may not be a straight up cult. It may not even be intentional on their side, but, what it is, is very controlling and it's difficult to break out of it. So I I like that terminology a lot and it does, it puts you in a very difficult position when you are starting to question, because when people have control, whether it's again, intentionally grabbed or not, it's very hard to get them to let go of that control.
2: Yes. And, and then what I found to add to that is there are, there are a lot of people who want to step away and I'm not an advocate for uh, for going in and, and bringing awareness around, Hey, you might want to step away from this. I think there's a time and a place for that. That's just not my area. But what I found was that there are so, when I, when I started speaking out about this, I had dozens of people private message me and privately contact mm. me. And that one of their number one things they said was, please don't tell anybody I contacted you, which, and these were women. These were all red flags. to me. please don't tell anybody I'm talking to you. And then the second thing was, I don't know what to do mm. I don't know how to get out because their husband, a lot of times their husbands were still in there, or they just felt like they couldn't speak to their husbands. Like even right. they, their husband may have been feeling the same way too, but they couldn't speak to each other about it. Yeah, And, and, and that's when I really started doing study about like, when, what, it like, if someone has that much control over you, where you are petrified to be yourself and to be authentic and to really truly be who you are, who you know you are, but you yeah. have Stuff it away, or you have to run away, or you have to hide. You have to remove yourself from social media or where anybody can "quote unquote" find you. Mm -hmm. Scared to death. That's those are red flags.
0: (laughs) I mean, let's talk about that. Like being who you are and and getting out of getting out of these moons because that's been a lot of your work as of late. um, Has been helping people kind of have breakthroughs. Like, how do you get out of these environments where you don't have your own personality or you don't have your own uh, kind of free will for lack of a better term. Um, How has that been playing out kind of practically and what are some of the things you've been working on to kind of help people through that process?
2: So I do listen to a lot of people. Um, And like I said, they're not always people who want to work with me, but I have been on phone conversations for four or five, one of them was six hours with people just spilling out. I just need to tell somebody, I just need to get this off of my chest. This is what I'm going through. And that's where Mm -hmm. it ends. So that is huge because when you can get that, like all those feelings and thoughts and like hatred and resentment, when you can get that out of your head and, and put that somewhere safe, that is one of the first steps is to just remove that from yourself and from your body. Right. So what, what I do then is they they'll ask them, what do they want? Like we've gone through everything that I don't want. This is what I'm scared to death of, you know, all those things. And I'll ask them, what do you want? And we get down to like, this is what I actually want.
1: Hmm.
2: And I ask them, what, why can't you do that? And the, I can't, because that's, that's what we need to work on. That's your actual, what we call limiting belief. Hmm. So in my case, I'll just give my own example. So I don't yeah. rat anybody out, but when I was going through this, somebody asked me, what do I want? And I said, I want uh, an e-commerce business that I'm trying to be very, um, (laughs) I don't want to tattle on myself. Anyway, I I wanted I wanted a successful e-commerce business is Hmm. basically what I wanted. That was one of the things I wanted. And so I was asked like, why can't you do that? And I said, because my husband doesn't understand. He just doesn't understand that. Okay. I'll, I'll back up. What it stemmed from was I don't want to be a stay-at-home mom. Hmm. And, and, and the, the, the person that was working with me said, yes, you told me what you don't want. What do you want? And I was like, oh, okay, yes. I've been focusing on I don't want to be a stay-at-home mom. And that's what I was creating more of. But anyway, so I said, I want a successful e-commerce business. Where, where I, Anyway, so she then helped me realize that I thought my kids and my husband were in the way. Hmm. And that is the belief that I had probably from my mom. And there's, there's no judgment on where beliefs come from because a lot of them are, you know, three, four generations down the line. So if I could go back to my mom, she probably would say, well, that's how my mom felt. So there's not judgment on my mom or dad or, you know, family, surroundings, whatever. But the belief that I had was that my husband was in the way hmm. and my kids were in the way. And so I literally couldn't create that e-commerce business because they were fighting with each other. It was like, yeah. I want to create this business. But I can't because my husband's in the way. And so when you work through that belief, my husband is in the way, it was like, and that's that's where you really look at what are your thoughts around that, what are your feelings around that? How does it make you feel when your husband's in the way? It feels awful. Like I, I feel really annoyed and irritated. Yeah. And so you just reframe those feelings. how would you like to feel about your husband? I know you don't, but how would you like to feel about your husband? I was like, I want to feel peaceful. And I want to feel like I have a relationship. Like I can tell him anything. And so it's just understand it really is focusing on what you want rather than what you don't want. I remember when I was growing up, I had a friend who grew up in Texas and he talks about the first time that he ever went rattlesnake hunting with his dad. And I was like, Okay. That's kind of rattlesnake hunting. It's a
0: Texas story. So. I know. I was
2: like, I don't move to Texas, but, um, so he talks about how he wanted, he was going rattlesnake hunting and he, you know, his friends were jealous and all this kind of stuff. And his dad was telling him, look, you got it. When, when you come up on a rattlesnake, this is what you do. And, you know, all the instructions. Right. And so he said the day that they went. They were searching and searching and searching and they found not a single rattlesnake. And he's like, I can't go back to school until my friends, I didn't come up with a rattlesnake. That would be super embarrassing. And then, you know, he says, as they're walking, all of a sudden, his dad holds his arm out and he's like, stop. And he looks up and there's this rattlesnake just staring at them with these beady eyes looking like it's scared to death. And he said, in that moment, all I wanted to do was run away. And he said, I didn't realize that I got what I was looking for. And that's Mm stuck with me and it kind of popped back up into my awareness as I've been doing this work. And I was like, how many of us are actually searching for something we don't even want? No, we don't, we don't want to be a stay at home mom, but that's what we're searching for. Cause that is what you're focusing on. And you're actually searching for that. You're searching for all these things you don't want. And then you're upset when that happens. I had someone tell me recently, um, I was just, I've always been afraid the bottom is going to fall out. And the bottom fell out. And I was like, yes, because for the last 15 years, you've been searching for the bottom to fall out and then yeah. you hated that.
0: Yeah. That's, that's super. It, it's funny. Cause one of the things that, uh, cause I do a lot of business coaching, actually um, I help okay. people with businesses, start podcasts. Um, okay. So I work with real estate investors and uh, I was just in Cleveland with one, one of the clients like just recently, but it's, it's one of the things I've talked about, which is, you know, coming out of the movement, you know, whenever someone says a word like manifesting like your red flag, you know, all these alarms <laughs> go off in your head. Yes. But but there, you know, I don't think there's some mystical element. Like I've talked to people who do like there's some, you know, woo-woo. Like yes. literally in the last like month or two, like I've closed some big sales my mm-hmm. all by myself, you know, like woo, you know, like it was yeah. cool. But it was because I was going to it not saying, wow. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to mm-hmm. close it. And I, I think that that plays out. Bring it back to the to the other world. And I'll just use myself as an example again, uh, because I, I won't get mad at myself for talking about myself on a podcast right? Right. is, um, (laughs) you know, even with, with mental health stuff, you know, Oh, I'm just, I just get depressed or, Oh, I just get, you know, Oh, I just, I'll never get over blank or I'll never, you know, it's always going to hurt that blank happen, you know, and is some part of that. Yeah. It's always going to be there. Like, you know, even if you have a scar, sometimes that scar is going to like, it's a certain way or feel like that part of your body is never going to feel exactly the same way. But I find that I, myself, and I see a lot of other people do this too, is I can get into this pit. I got into this like two weeks ago. I've, I found myself in that low where I'm going, Mm -hmm. I'm just never going to get over that or that's always going to hit me, you know? And it's, I you have to change that mindset to go. Like I'm stronger than this. I can get through this. I can accept it for what it is. And I can also be, you know, I can have messed up here. I can have had a bad experience here, but also I can be a good dad. I can show up at work. I can, you know, I can sell, I can do all these things without that being this constant crutch that I'm leaning on. And, uh, and the last thing I'll say on that is, uh, there's a, there's a guy who was, I was just in Costa Rica. I got to travel last few weeks. It's been cool, but I, I was in Costa Rica with a guy, uh, another, another client, and we were sitting there talking and he was, he was chatting a little bit about um, like pain and he's been through some, you know, he's lost a spouse. He's he's had a lot of really bad stuff happen last, last year. And he said, your pain can be a crutch or it can be the thing that launches you. And um, you know, for me, that was huge. Like I was sitting there going like your story is way, and they don't compare stories, but I was like, your story is way worse than mine. It's way more difficult than mine. And uh, but him saying that. Was super true. Like it's really easy to just rest on like, well, that's how it was. I grew up, eight, yeah. I wasted, I wasted 18 years or I, I didn't go to college because I was stuck in this, you know, at yeah. a certain point you have to take that step and and just say like, I own it now. It, yeah. I didn't own it then, but what am I going to do moving forward?
2: Yeah. And, and to add to that, if, yeah. if something doesn't feel good, that is your indication that it is not true. And, and back to the manifesting thing, especially in this environment, so many of us have been taught to, uh, ignore our minds and to mm-hmm. more deal with our minds. We're not taught how to use our minds, your mind and your brain work in tandem with each other. That is the free will that God created us to have. Mm-hmm. So your belief systems, your mind, all of that works together. And I wanted to touch on the manifesting point really quick too. A lot of people think that manifesting is woo woo. And what they don't realize is that they manifest every single day. If you go back 10 years ago, just, I don't know how old you are, but go back 10 years ago. Were you married 10 years ago?
0: No, I was, I was, uh, I'm going to give away my age. I was 16, 10 years ago. (laughs) But
2: Okay. So 10 years ago, you wanted a wife, I would assume. Yeah. Right. And you did things, you took action and you had thoughts that created a wife. I'm like, well, you manifested. Yeah. <laughs> you wanted kids. You thought about having kids and you created kids.
0: You took actions. You took actions. With that. Yeah.
2: Exactly. That are in alignment with that. You did it subconsciously, but that's what you did because that is what you focused on. So when you say that you've wasted 18 years of your life, that is the lens that you're living through. And that is the result that you create.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: It, if you look back on your life, you'll actually realize that a lot of it was really, really good. There were opportunities, there were blessings you know, whether you got married or divorced or whatever, had kids, got a job, like moved across the country, took vacations, like whatever, you're missing those because you feel like your, your life is wasted. And whenever there's a, because it's wasted because of how I grew up, that is your limiting belief. And you're allowing that to hold you back. So I kind of jumped around there for a second, but I also wanted for with the manifesting, I wanted to put the science behind that really quickly on how you actually manifest. So in the woo-woo world, I would, I would say it's called manifesting, but in reality, it's just called that's the human experience. Um, so there was a, a study done in Harvard, I believe back in 2009, but there was a study done at Harvard where they had brought these little kids into a lab and they hooked some stuff up to their brain and they had them play the piano, just a small little piece on the piano. And the scientists watched which parts of their brain lit up. And then they took the pianos away. They had the kids just sit on this bench and, and imagine that they were playing the piano. And what they found was that the same parts of their brain lit up. Mm. And from there, what they realized is that your brain doesn't actually know the difference between imagination and reality. It ju- it's like a computer as much as I hate to compare it to a computer, but cause there's so much more powerful than that. But it is similar to a computer where when you compute something in, it just spits it out. Mm. When you type into your computer, uh, on a word document, like I'm a loser and I have no value, it doesn't try to fix it for you and be like, wait, this feels like it's not going to serve you very well. Let's change it up. It, you you hit print and it just prints.
0: Yeah.
2: It doesn't it doesn't know if it's positive or negative. It doesn't it doesn't even notice and it's all neutral. We as humans get to decide the feelings that we want to put around certain words. So mm. if you want to think that you're, uh, if you tell yourself, even if it's subconscious, that I'm a loser and I have no value. That is what you're actually, that's what your brain will spit out. And that is how you're going to view life because your brain, again, doesn't know the difference between imagination and reality. And that is why we focus on things that we actually want. So when you focus on something that you want, what your brain is going to say is, I have never done that before. I don't know how to do that. Or or like, that's a thought you can have. Like you want to start a podcast, but I don't know how to do it. I've never done it before. And your brain's going to see that as like, oh, that's dangerous. We don't want to go there. We've never done that before. Yeah. can visualize that happening where you can say, if, if I had a podcast, what are the thoughts that I would think? I would think that value to, to bring to people that, you know, if this is a thought that I have in my head, then clearly other people are having an issue with this too, or would like to hear this information as well. And your brain's like, yeah, they're right here. Here's the people. And, and so it looks like it's manifesting and it's actually not, it's the design of life. It's how God created us to have our free will and to enjoy the things that we actually want, the desires of our heart that, that, you know, the Bible talks about or whatever. So
0: yeah. Yeah. No, it, that. Yeah. No, that's super, that's super helpful understanding it. And yeah, it's, it's a, and I'll, I'll add one more caveat to this as well. And then I, I definitely want to ask you about your book. I know we're, I know we're getting near the end here, but I, I just, the other piece of this I want to make sure I cover too is, is yeah. Mindset super important. You can interpret things a lot of different ways. You can, you can work with past experiences and pull the good and the bad and and you know all, all that sort of thing. I will say this too though, is don't let that be an excuse to stay in a, in a bad situation because uh, because one of the, one of the things about this and this is this is why it's such a tricky thing right words are words are tricky tricky things is um, you look at something like Nexam I mentioned I mentioned earlier you know whenever someone had an issue or a concern, It was always with you. It was always you're not thinking about the right way. Um, within the independent Baptist world, I've told the story before. My wife didn't want to go to uh one of the services because the speaker never really taught anything. He just kind of just rambled and told stories. And, you know, the response was, Oh, it's something wrong with your heart. Like she wasn't allowed to dislike a certain speaker, like, oh if the Bible's being preached, you need to be there and you can get something out of it. So, so we're not at all saying like, Hey, stay in a really abusive relationship and just have positive thoughts about it. And we're not saying stay in a negative high control environment and, and just have good thoughts about it. But what it is doing is like when you are processing, even those harmful things, even if you're listening, and I'm sure probably a majority of people listening would say that I had a generally positive experience, but I've noticed there were harmful elements to it. If you can sit back and go. Hey, what were the things i I did take away that are positive? like I mentioned I took away a good work work ethic. I took away um you know I, I took away things that were positive, even things that were negative that I got to grow from, you know like there were things that were really helpful um but but I just want to really clarify that like I get out of a bad situation. I'm not saying to say that what happened that was bad was good, but what can you take and apply and what can you? for lack of a better word, manifest moving forward, that's going to benefit you as opposed to, as opposed to hurting you.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like my story is really, if we, if we really stopped to thought about, think about it, we could all come up with this, but same with the psychology situation where that was my talent and expertise in area. I, I love it. I could spend 10 to 12 hours a day studying psychology. I often tell people my favorite day of the week is Monday. Cause I get to get back up and like, get back into this mm. But I don't think I would have come across that had I not been accused of going to the library and reading psychology books. Yeah. Yes. There's always a learning, like there's redirection. You you learn. Yes. To your point, there are things that, ha- that are good that come out of it only because that is the design of life. The situation may not have been good, but you can use it to your benefit.
0: Right. A hundred percent. Well, I look, I know we're, we're coming up near the end here. I do want to get a chance for you to talk about your book. Uh, Can you just let them know a little bit about it, uh, about Uncaged, talk about kind of the, the purpose of it and what people could expect if they pick up a copy. Yeah,
2: absolutely. So one of the things that I found really funny early on when I first started working with people is, you know, this is my background. So that's naturally, that's the only life I know. And so I feel like I naturally gravitated toward people who are also in my situation who are, you know asking for help without asking for help. And I learned how to recognize that because I am a psychologist. So that sometimes scares people away, but I learned how to recognize even with different posts on social media, um, where it was like, it was a cry for help, but that's not what they said. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so, um, when I, when those start people started reaching out to me and talking to me, one of the first things I noticed them saying was, do you use the Bible? Cause they hated it. It was like, I want zero Bible reference. I want no church reference, nothing, none of that. And I I didn't um, because it's, I I literally just use psychology and neuroscience. That's all I use. And so that was one of the main things that I realized. And then I also realized I had to be very, very careful with my languaging because I couldn't say things like do this, don't do that because it was very triggering. And, And it's triggering to me too. So there's no judgment there, but I saw that it was triggering. And so that led me to, I just had this idea to write a story where I showed this is what happens when your mind is reframed. This is how to reframe your mind from any circumstance. It's a very easy read, but it does show uh, circumstances that are completely out of her control where it's like, uh, but you don't understand. This is my situation. So it shows circumstances that are completely out of your control. It's not something she manifested through her behavior. Some of them are, some of them are not, but I wanted to show the experience of what happens. Like I wanted to show transformation. So this is where she started. This is where she ended. And this is what all had to happen in the middle to go through transformation. And basically what it is, it's a signature uh, process that I teach. It's called a pivot process. And the pivot is an acronym. So it's the first thing you have to do when you're wanting to make a change. And I'll just back up for just a second. What I found, and we talked about this off camera just for a little bit, but what I found was that so many people, yes, they, they, they have awareness that this is not a good religion to be in or whatever. I don't want to be in this situation. So they remove themselves, but they're kind of stuck in this pool. They don't like the person they've become. They do feel like the last 20 years or 30 years of their life have been wasted. And a lot of times what I found, and this was my story, I didn't even marry the person I wanted to marry. I just married somebody in the religion because I didn't know what else to do. I went from my dad's house to my husband's house. I went from this control to this control. And like, this is not what I want for my life. And you feel like you cannot get out of it. That is why the book is called Uncaged. But um, and so they feel like they are completely like their circumstance is not something that they're able to get out of. And they're in in this pool of people who criticize, they judge other people, they're jealous of people who look like they've made it. They know they're not happy with their life, but they're just not sure of what to do. So the first thing to do is to just be clear on your belief system. What is it that you actually believe about life? So you had mentioned a second ago, like, yeah, you can't just think I want to make a million dollars and poof, you can manifest it. And it's a very important distinction. And I'm glad you said that. Because it is your beliefs about life, not your to do beliefs like you can't say like, I I want to write a book that's a to do. (laughs) And so it's your belief about life, like what do you think about yourself as an author that is going to create whether or not you can actually write the book. So if you believe that you're a bad writer, you're probably not going to be able to make that to do happen. So it is the beliefs that you have about life, about men, about relationships, about parenting, like about you as a person, about life situations, all of the about decisions. I mean, the beliefs that you have, you have to be very clear on what those are, because only once you're clear on the belief system that you've been living through, can you shift it and reframe it and turn it in just to into a little bit of a different direction, which is where the pivot comes from. And then once you do that, once you're aware You open yourself up to the I, which is the intelligence, the intelligence of life. You you're more in tune with your creativity, with your inspiration, with your intuition and what people think of you starts to fall away. So you no longer are consumed with, I'm a bad writer. What are people going to think of me? I don't know what I'm doing. This is not going to work out. What was I thinking? My husband's in the way. I don't even want to be here anymore. Like that, all of that mind drama has been, even if it hasn't completely dissolved, you're at least aware that it's there in the background. So you're open to that intelligence. You're open to inspiration, creativity, intuition, all of that. And that is where you can then open up to visualizing what you actually want. You're aware of what you don't want. Now you can start to create like, Hey, this is what I actually want for my life. I want to have a booming e-commerce business, or I want to be a stay at home mom, or I, I want to have a career in whatever it is. Then you can go, you can start to create that for yourself, figure out what you need to do to do that. And then once you do that, once you're aware of what you actually want, you open yourself up to opportunity. And there are hundreds of opportunities that pass us by every day. And we're not even aware of it because we're right here, you know, like we're, we're right in, we're staring at the tree. You can't see the forest through the tree. So there's, you know, when you're walking down a path in the forest, all you see are the trees that are right there along the path. You don't see the ones that are hundred feet away. You're not even aware of them. It doesn't mean they're not there. It's just, you can't see it. I often say when people are drowning in the ocean, you don't notice the palm trees swaying in the breeze. Like you don't care about those at that point in time. You're just trying to survive. So it's like we pull you out of the ocean and you can sit on the beach and relax. And then you are aware of all the opportunities that have been around you this whole time. You just couldn't see it because you were drowning. And then the T is for transformation. That's when you actually experience the whole process is where you experience transformation. You're on a new path. You're you're, you're, your true self now. Like you've always been that person. You just couldn't be that person because you were surviving.
0: That's why it's so important to be around good people too, is um, you know one of the people I, I work with quite a bit. Like I was telling her, I was like, I was like, you don't realize. Cause she, she was like kind of getting down on herself about, about certain things. I was like, you don't realize like how good you are at what you do. Like I was, yes. I was literally, I was like, I was like, I couldn't do three fourths or one fourth of what you do because, like you just work on a different level. Like I said, your brain works in a different way. You're super structured and organized. And like, I was was just kind of like, I was like, I'm not just trying to pump your tires. Like you're legitimately super good at what you do. And like, you should feel confident that I said, I said, the fact that you don't realize it means that's probably what you're really good at. Cause we tend to overlook the things that are kind of given skills. The things we think about are what's hard for us. Like if you have a talent, like for me, I have people that go like, you know, how did you, you know, how'd you do a podcast? Like I'd talk with real estate investors that are like, I want to get more people listening to how did you do it? I'm like, I just did it. You know, like, how did you make a video? I just made a video. I got a camera out and I shot a video, you know, yeah. but if, if you, if I had to create a spreadsheet, like I would, all my brain power is going into how am I going to do this? You know what I mean? Cause like, right. it's, yes. it's very hard for me. So it's important to kind of look at the things and and have outside perspectives that can show you like, Hey, you're actually really crushing it here, or you've got a natural gift here, or you're really getting down on yourself for something that is not bothering anybody else. Like it's totally all, all with you. So that's where I think the healthy community really plays a a big part and reading books, like reading Mm -hmm. stuff, like what you've written, like reading through that and going, is this me? What resonates with me? Like, sure. This might be a lot of this might be fictional or based on something else, but what is it that connects with me that I can pull and learn from kind of moving forward?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's that's and awesome. Like even when you, when people do get down on themselves, that is a show of their belief system, Right, you like you're not good enough. It doesn't matter what you do. You could write 20 books and you will right. feel like it's not good enough, you know?
0: Right. But- yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm glad we got to get a little bit woo woo today. <laughs> but, yes. But, I uh, love woo woo. I but, love woo woo. I've been, uh,
2: I've been criticized of getting into spiritual mysticism and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, nope, it's just mine. It's really
0: not. Yeah. There are people who definitely Science. teach. Yeah. There's definitely people that teach that version of it for sure. Yeah, for sure. And I, it's a huge turnoff for me, Um, you know, <laughs> I, for, for some people that's kind of their, their MO, but I think yes. when you get into the practicality of it, it just makes, it just makes sense. But, absolutely. but um, yeah, Andrew, thank you so much for, for jumping on and I'll definitely have a link to uh, in the show notes to where people can check out your book um, by the time this drops, hopefully we can get it to where they can go pre-order it uh, go check it out and uh, and go see what you have to offer over there. But thanks again so much for for
1: joining me on the show.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate the time. Thank you very much.